0: automotive hour i'm your host Louis Albazan with mr brian terry hey between the two of us we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have why don't you go and give us a call it's 499-9526 of course you stick a 225 in front of there that's right and we're going to give away a free eco t-shirt to the farthest caller this morning absolutely you just give us a call let us know where you're calling from i'll put you on hold give the producer your Name and email, email address and what size preference and of course your address so I can get that USPS on out to you. First thing Monday morning. You got it, and we'll get that to you. I see we've got people on hold already. We're going right. down phone lines with Nathan. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning. Good oh, morning, you, sir.
1: Hey, I got a question for you guys. I'm sure. considering a new car purchase and okay. I kinda wonder what you guys think about the Korean Kia, Hyundai vehicles. Yeah. I know a-
0: Nathan, what I'm going to give you is my personal opinion, and other people may feel different, but this is based on my experience with the cars. They're an okay car if you're planning on keeping it about 80,000 miles and then just dumping it for whatever you can get for it. They don't have a lot of resale value, and my experience is when they start getting up much more than that, they start falling apart faster than you can fix them. It's not a car that you're going to buy overall lowest cost. In other words, let's just say you spring for a Toyota instead. You pay 3000 more up front, but you get 5000 more when you sell it, and it, it lasts you for 250,000 miles with no repair or, or little repair. It's just, to me, the only reason I would consider that is if I just didn't have the money for anything else, and I needed something to get me by right now, and I planned on keeping it short-term and getting rid of it. And what usually happens to people is they make that plan now, right, and then come 80,000, 90,000 miles, they decide that, wait, I got to keep this thing Yeah, now. something happened, and I and, don't have the money to get rid of it. Right, and then you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah, and they start to break, and they do have a hundred thousand mile warranty, but it's pretty limited as things it covers. And once that's gone, you're really on your own. I mean, it just kind of depends on your situation and what you want to do with it, I guess. Okay. I think there are a lot better deals out there if you got the money up front. It's kind of an old man always says sometimes the cheapest way out is the most expensive way in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, one more question: Have you sure. dealt with many of these the third party warranty
0: companies? Yes, sir. And it, what's stay been away scary. from them. Stay away yeah. from them. It's a money making proposition for them. They get all their money up front. Yeah. And then deal out where you got to get it fixed well, or if they're even going to cover it. Kind of U.S. government where they go in and take your money by force of law and then they provide a service to you. How good does that work out for you? I mean, they got your money and you're hoping to get some service out of them. In my experience, they're bad news. I mean, they're making money hand over fist. So obviously it's not going to be in your best interest. That's sort of like a casino or anything else. Somebody's going to walk in there they're going to hit the jackpot and they're going to think it's the greatest thing in the world. But the vast majority of people are going to lose. I mean, go on my website and just hit the search bar and type in warranty. And it's going to bring up three or four articles with a whole lot more information on them and some things you may not have thought about. But buy a decent car, do the maintenance. and That's all the warranty you're going to need. All right. All righty. Thank you. Thanks, yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the automotive aisle, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call. It's 499-9526. Of course, 225 will get you here from anywhere in the continental United States. Right. Possibly even further. Possibly. If you know the little numbers <laughs> put in front of that. <laughs> Just in case you don't care to call in or should something occur to you during the week. That's right. You can always get your questions answered on our website. The address is www. AgcoAuto.com. You can take the acronym Altazan's Garage Company, Mm -hmm. get you to our site. There's a search bar, top of every page. There's also a contact bar, I believe, on every Every page. Every single page, yes, sir. You can go to the contact bar, fill out the form, send it to Lewis, and usually within within 24 hours, you'll get an answer back, usually sooner. Normally within a couple of hours because I do check that email even at work. When I have time, like Friday, I could not check it because we uh-huh. were just, I mean, just it was walk. crazy, right. busy Friday. But most time during the day, after I get past my rush, I'll check it. And then a couple of times during the day, I'll check it. So normally it's just a couple hours before I get an answer back to you. And that way you get a very unbiased, personalized, personalized answer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you do need to fill out that form because if you just respond to an old email address, maybe you got one stored or whatever, it's not going to get to me. It's going to bounce it back to you just to avoid spam. We've got a feature on the site that when you fill out that form, it assigns a code to it that, allows it to get to me. Otherwise, it's just going to bounce it back to you with a no-reply message. Right. We were getting a lot of spam coming through, so we had to to come up with a new way to to cut it out. Well, yeah, because when you get a 1,000 pieces of mail in your inbox, you don't know what's good and what's bad. You can't sit there and go through all of them. Exactly. We had to have a way to kind of screen that out. So we actually use a fresh form each time, and that way it will come straight to me, and I will get an answer right back to you. While you're on there, you might want to avail yourself of some of the other features. That's right. There's the vehicle questions, questions, Mm -hmm. which is a kind of short, to-the-point answer to a particular question. That's right. There's how many of those now? Oh, well over 1,000, probably close to 1,100 of those in there now. So probably what you're looking for is there. May very well be. And if you want more information on a specific topic, you go to detailed topics, and there's a search by category, which is real handy. If you click on that, you can say punch-in engines or punch-in transmissions or one particular category It'll bring up just the articles pertaining to that particular category. Correct. Because there are probably... Up to 300 or more of those on there. So, again, it can be kind of difficult to find what you want without categorizing it. Right. Put one on this morning on how to press in a wheel bearing. And that's something we had a lot of questions on. Right. The correct way to put in a pressed in wheel bearing. That's right. And you have three basic types of wheel bearing. You have the old style, which was you could disassemble it. You could pack it and all that. Right. A lot of people are familiar with those. The serviceable bearings that have been around since... Cars cars. Started. That's right. <laughs> yeah into wagons. Right. And there is an article on how to do that properly, how to pack them and all that. And there's one on how to replace the newer bolt-in style wheel bearings. Correct. Which is fairly straightforward. It's still a hub bearing, but it's actually bolted into the knuckle instead of pressed in. Comes as one piece. Right. But the pressed-in bearing actually, or the integral bearing, presses into the hub itself. And you have to have a hydraulic press to install them. And more important, you have to know exactly what you're doing or you'll damage that bearing. Putting it in, exactly. And this goes further into repeat bearing failure, why bearings fail, because sometimes you change a bearing and then six months later it goes bad again. Right. Or a year later or whatever. And this will go into why bearings go bad. So, real good piece of information there. Pop on there, see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines with Robert. Good morning, Robert.
1: Good morning. How are you? Doing great, sir. Good morning, sir. I am calling about my 2009 Camry, okay. which has multiple problems. Okay. The, the two I want to talk to you about is first one is the struts failed at 38,000 miles. The mm-hmm. first, uh, the front
0: struts. Uh uh-huh. Tell me, what do they do when they fail, Robert? Well, they start. You start feeling like a uh, like well, steering nice. is coming apart. Yeah. Yeah, that probably wasn't the strut, Robert. That was probably the upper strut mount. And
1: anyway, what uh, happens?
0: That upper strut mount has a revised part that could possibly have been covered under a warranty.
1: Well, uh, it wasn't. Uh, I took it to Toyota, well, I took it to a Toyota, of course, they mm-hmm. told me nothing was wrong with it. Right. Uh, after I wore out a set of front tires, mm-hmm. I took it somewhere else. He said your struts are leaking. Yeah. We replaced the struts, the strut mounts Mm-hmm. and also the stabilizers, yep. and, and i still got this when you back up real slow and mm-hmm. go forward, you can h- feel it top. That's probably going to be positive. a separate
0: problem. Right. That's more likely a, an engine mount or something that was either left loose, possibly when it took the struts out. There's a little mount. Is it a four-cylinder or a V6? Four. Four-cylinder on the right-hand side of the motor, past your side, up at the top, right before the timing belt cover. There's a little strut, like a dog bone-type mount. Get a wrench and put on those bolts on that. Make sure they're tight, 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 because those bolts get left loose a lot, and that will make that pop or thump when you go back and forward. Also, if the mount itself goes bad, it can do that.
1: Okay. And then the second second problem, which I've had since 15,000 miles, Mm -hmm. and it's got almost 50 on it, Mm -hmm. And again, Toyota denies any problem with right. it is that when it is over 95 degrees, that time it's only when it's over 95, uh-huh. when you come to a traffic light, uh-huh. the engine wants to shutter, the, the RPMs drop to about 550, mm-hmm. and then the computer will correct itself. They they, they like the throttle body cleaning, the right. ECM cleaning. That hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's just misery to drive in the summertime.
0: Yeah, I would have to see that to tell you what's going on, Robert, because that's not a common complaint. But one of the things that could possibly do that would be a vacuum leak on the engine. Only because when you come to an idle, especially at higher speed, the engine may go to open loop. What open loop means is that it no longer reads the oxygen sensor. So it's working based on what the... Mass airflow meter and the engine temperature tells it. And it's based on default readings, which would be adequate, except if you've got vacuum leaking air into the intake, it's no longer adequate. As you come off idle and the O2s come back online, it can adjust for that. So that's what I would think. And that is not real difficult to find. You'd have to put a device on there where you can measure the fuel air mixture or at very least put a scan tool and look at fuel trim at an idle and see if the fuel trim is possibly skewed. But it sounds to me, Robert, from what you're telling me, you're probably bringing this car to the wrong places to get it worked on. I would try to find a better shop. I think it's not so much a problem try, with the car. It, it ain't the place to bring Absolutely it. not. Absolutely not. No, no. I would never, ever recommend a dealership for any type of service other than warranty work. Okay. So well, go to my website, mean. look on the front page. There's an article how to select a great shop. Read that okay. article and see if that doesn't help you. But I think if you get the right guy working on a car, your problems are going to go away and you're going to have a car you like.
1: I appreciate it. All right.
0: Thank you. Thanks, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526. Number. If you want to be part of the Automotive iron, we would love to have you. And going back to the phone lines, we have Warren online. Good morning, Warren. Yeah,
1: good morning, you guys. How you doing? Doing together? great, sir. Good, good. Great, great! I called you a couple of weeks ago, and you resolved my problem. And I have a always, whenever you get on, you don't remember everything you It's <laughs> so All that, sure. I have a 2004 Expedition. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A couple of months ago, my fuel filter went out. Okay, I had a gentleman to change the fuel filter. Now, what do you
0: mean when you I, say it went out, Warren? What did it do?
1: It stopped uh, it stopped. Well, not the fuel pump. I'm sorry, fuel pump. Fuel pump, pump. Okay, okay, yes. Okay. Pump, All right. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, it went out, and I had a guy to change the fuel pump for me. Okay. And now my gas gauge is not reading properly. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. It's, it's out of sync with the uh, digital readout, and uh, it won't go far much past halfway on the, on the actual gauge. Yes, itself. sir. What you right. need to
0: do, Warren, is bring that back to him, because most likely he installed the wrong fuel pump. There are three or four different fuel pumps, depending on the option that that vehicle came with. See, there are different depth of tanks. Okay. And if you get a shorter or longer fuel pump, then the gas gauge is not going to read right. The pump will still work, but okay. it will not read right. And especially if you use an aftermarket pump, they may not right. even pick up on that. Okay. See, we always use the VIN number on the vehicle to order that kind of stuff. That way you get the exact right replacement. But I know for sure there are more than one pump and okay. there are different lengths and the sender unit will not reach the bottom of the tank. So it's going to read skewed. You know, at a quarter tank, it may be empty or vice versa. Exactly. And yeah, just bring it back to him and tell him what you've got and he's going to need to take that back out and get the right pump for it.
1: Okay, now it, it's been several months and you think they'll still uh, recognize that even. even- well.
0: Depends on the shop you're dealing with, Warren. I could say that if I did that, it was two years later, I don't care. If I do something wrong, okay. I'm going to make it right. I think that a warranty term, and again, it's my opinion, but I think the term of the warranty is to ensure the customer is not a problem. So if something wears out under the normal course of things, you give a warranty it's not going to wear out for a certain period of time, okay. and it goes beyond that, that's one thing. But when you do something wrong, I think that exceeds the warranty. You have okay. to make it right because you didn't get what you paid for. Okay. See, okay, so it wasn't okay. a legitimate transaction from the get-go. Okay, that sounds good. All righty. All right, appreciate it again. Thank you, guys. Love the work you guys do. Well, thank, thank you, you, sir. You. We appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take our quick little break, and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Oh west. Travel my way,
2: take the highway, that's the best. Okay, look, you've been at the Red Box for 10 minutes and you've got about 30 movies. Yeah, you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry. Look, it is 2012 and according to the Mayan calendar, the world ends on December 21st. So, I'm trying to watch all the movies I can before then. So, no car repairs Either right? Who's got time for that?
3: Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep
2: your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance. All movies till December twenty-first. Yep, I'm stocking up on all the classics too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The (laughs) Squeakle. I already saw first. I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about? Why AgCo
3: is the place to go? Visit AgCOAuto.com. That's dot com.
2: Hey, welcome back. If you just join us the
0: Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Lewis Albaza with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Once you go give us calls, 499-9526, Just in case you happen to be listening outside of our area, maybe on iHeart or Stitcher or any of the other fine internet stations. That's right. You can give us a call. Let us know where you're calling from. We'll get an Agco t-shirt shipped out to you. That's right. And should you feel you would like to, you can take a picture yourself in front of a local landmark and yep. send it into the website and we'll, we'll get it put on the website. on the website. A little extra icing on the cake. There, there. you go. <laughs> <laughs> At least from my perspective. Yeah. We were kind of talking with the other gentleman who had called with Toyota and the problems. And we see a lot of times where folks have a certain car And you'll hear the comment, well, man, I thought this was supposed to be a good car. And there are better and there are worse cars. But for the most part, almost any car can give you pretty good service. And almost any car can be a a dog, depending on the folks who work on it. That's right. If you have wrong people working on them, they can create so many problems. A bolt left loose, a ground wire left off. You may not ever know that this caused these other problems. You just know that the alternator burned up. You just know that your dashboard went out. That you're spending a lot of money that m- most people with that type of vehicle are not spending. That's correct. And I hear that a lot where folks will come to us and say, I've got a blah, 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 name name the car. Let's say a Honda Accord, which okay. is traditionally a pretty good car. And I've had just a lot of problems with it. Really, could you bring me your service direction? Let me look at it. And you look at the things that they're repairing, and it becomes pretty clear to you that this is... They're in the wrong place. Yeah, they're in the wrong place. We always laugh and call that a Tim, a right. technician-induced malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's causing these problems. Correct. And if you look at just the number of jobs that we redo on a daily basis at AGCO, where it's been fixed somewhere else, and now the person is so frustrated, they're tired of going back, we go in, strip everything off that's been done, throw it all away because it's all cheap junk. That's parts. right. I got, I got five-gallon buckets full of oh, new parts yeah. that I have had to take off. Strip they weren't it out, in. put it back the way it goes. And now you don't have any problems anymore. That's right. It really kind of amazes me. I guess when I started in this industry 45 years ago, that was the first thing that really occurred to me. I'm looking around and I was working in a few dealerships and I'm looking at these guys who have been here 20 years, who I'd always thought they would know everything about a car. In fact, I was looking forward to working here to work around some of these guys I could learn from. And I'm like, man, nobody's doing this right. And I'm asking guys who have been here for 20 years. Why do you use SAE boat here? And why do you use a USS boat here? And nobody knows the answer to that. Uh-huh. I'm like, man, you both stuff together every day, all day long, and you don't know that answer. <laughs> that kind of bothers me. right? <laughs> and I got to say, it hadn't gotten better no. over the years. If anything, it's gotten a lot worse. And A lot of the guys who did know a whole lot are retiring and moving on and have left the industry. Right. And I'm not saying anything bad about young folks, but a lot of the younger guys who have gotten into the business just really don't have the background. Some of them know how to plug a scan tool in and read codes, but they have no clue what Camber does, Uh why it's in there, what SAI means, why you have more toe when you have less caster and those sorts of things. Right. And so when they, say, align a front end and all the lights turn green and it still pulls, they, they're lost. Calls. That's right. Because they don't, they don't have the background knowledge. To to understand the system, you have to understand the system and figure out how it works. That's right. Before you to, figure out how to fix ex- it. Before you can fix it. That's right. And, and that's just sorely lacking for the most part. In my experience, and uh-huh. what we're seeing out there, and that's why we're having to rework so much of this stuff, and that's why you see folks who have continued problems. they say, well, I took it to a dealer. Well, that means absolutely nothing. Exactly. A dealership is nothing more or less than an independent shop attached to a dealership. A dealership is a guy who bought a franchise that gives him the right to sell cars. He has to do warranty work because that's part of the agreement. So, therefore, but he has to have the service department. He can run it any way he chooses. He hires the same exact people everyone else hires. Uh-huh. He has the same equipment, the same everything everyone else has. And so it's no better or no worse than any independent shop would be. That's right. We're going to take a quick little break. Henry, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break.
2: Glenn, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? I'm putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about
0: fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes. My and- car
2: can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one. Years.
3: Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Hey, welcome back. If you're joining us, the
0: Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alton Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going right to our phone lines with Henry. Good morning, Henry. Thanks for holding.
1: Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I have a 2007 Toyota Highlander. Yes, sir. And I replaced the front passenger side tire
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the Tire pressure light on the dash came on. Uh-huh. Okay. So I reset it and it stayed off for about
0: 15 minutes, but it came back on. Okay. Was not on before you replaced tire? No. Okay. Where is that, that sensor? The, sen- the sensor is part of the valve still. But that vehicle, I believe, has a five channel system, mm-hmm. which means it checks the spare tire. Right. So, yeah,
1: I, I, I checked that pressure in the spare
0: you and did? all four of the tires. Yeah. Okay. Most likely when they broke the tire down, they must have damaged the sensor is what it sounds like to me. We've got a Toyota scan tool, so what we would have to do is simply go in. and It stores a code, sort of like a check engine light. It's just in the body module rather than in the PCM. Right, which does not turn the light on. Right. The service light on. Right. It'll just tell you which sensor the problem is because otherwise you have to break every one of the tires down and try to hope to find a problem. Now, when you replace that sensor, it's not a matter of just putting a sensor in there either. It has to be programmed. Each sensor has an IP address, and you have to write down the number on the sensor, and you have to program that into the computer so it can see it. So it's something you're going to have to take someone who has the proper tooling to do it. But chances are, if it started right after I put the tire on, I'd take it back to the tire company who put the tire on and just say, hey, guys, you know, I'm not saying you broke this, but my light was never on. It's on ever since. And I'd like you to tell me what you think. And if they say, yeah, we're sorry, we did break it, we're going to fix it for free, well, great, you're home free. If they say no, then you might want to get a second opinion from someone else. Thank you. All righty. I,
1: I think that's a problem. I didn't know where the sensor
0: was. It is. It's inside it's the, the tire, part of the valve stem, and it's kind of pricey. I want to say it's about a $100 part, and you're probably going to spend a half an hour of labor to break it down and program it and all that at least. So, it you know, it's going to be kind of pricey if you can get it done for free, it's... Certainly better do that, especially if they're the ones who damaged it. Thank you. All right, man. All right, sir. Bye bye. Okay. All right, four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to part of the automotive iron, we would love to have you. Yeah, those little tire pressure monitoring systems are pretty problematic in a number of ways. They I guess they're okay idea. For me, that's Way too much complexity for what it does for right. the customer. Like my dad used to say, it's too much candy for a nickel. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of typical of a lot of the technologies that are coming out now where the cost of repair and replacement is way, way out of line with the benefit that the customer derives from it. Exactly. But, but it's really, mandated onto the car. Exactly. You can't take it off anymore. Yes. Yeah, not something that you have a choice in. It's just when you buy the car, it's all there. there. And when it breaks, you have to fix it. and Right. <laughs> and right. The, and the only benefit that I could see coming to that system uh-huh. would be if it checked the spare tire. For yeah, me. and Toyota's about the only one that does that. Really, they so, are. They they got a five channel system. Right. Most Everything else, the rest is a of them don't even don't check the spare. No. So, which is the my biggest concern. Yeah, that's really the biggest thing it can do for me. All right, going back to our phone I was with Charles. Good morning, Charles. Hey, how you guys
1: doing? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning. Hey, I've got a 2002 F150 with a 4.6. Uh huh. And we're uh, going to be about 70,000 miles, but uh, a series of things happened that uh, made me start kind of tearing into it. What it was was the AC stopped working. I got it tested, and they told me that uh, the AC was actually fine, and it might be the blend door. Well, okay. I'm the kind of guy that likes to do things myself, <laughs> so I figured out what to do, and I pulled the dash out, checked the blend door. It turns out the heater core went out. because mm-hmm. you can see, the rust around the heater core. Right. And it was built up a, inside that venom box that's there. hmm and then it, was like, well, it looked like it happened. The blend door looked fine, but then I looked at the actuator, and that sucker was full of coolant. So, obviously, yeah. it sorted out. Yeah, it could like, very well be. So, I swapped out the heater core for the brand new one in there. Mm-hmm. When you got a new actuator, uh-huh. it was speed up. And like I said, I made sure I double-checked because The guy told me that the blend door, the little teeth on the, the little hands that were known to break in that kind of truck. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And it was fine. And then, you know, once you put it on, it can only go on one way. Yeah, I've
0: That's never really cool. seen a blend door break in a Ford truck. That's right. more of the Crown Vicks and the Grand Marquees and those cars. Pickup uses a different system. I've, I've never seen one break. I'm not saying it couldn't possibly, but I've just never seen that problem on that truck.
1: Right. Well, anyway, the window was fine. It replaced the actuary, replaced the heater for cleaned everything up, put mm-hmm. it all back up, I went to go, cleaned the truck back up, mm-hmm. and then it's still blowing hot. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that, is there like, like
0: a fuse or something that may have blown? No. Uh, uh. Well, if a fuse blown, then your control panel would be blank. If you got numbers on the control panel, is it automatic temperature control truck? The, the, the turning off. Okay, manual. Does, does it have a dis- digital display on it or no? Oh, no, no, it does not. Okay. Man, I would be looking at that control panel first off and see if that, of course, unless you can physically see something broken, you don't have the wherewithal to check it. I mean, it's just going to be so much cheaper when you consider the time you've already spent, the money you've already spent, so much cheaper to take that somebody who knows what to do and let them check and tell you what's wrong with it, even if you want to fix it yourself. But right. the control panels do go out a fair amount on them, or it could be any of the leads going into the control panel, or it could be a wiring issue where it's not getting the signal to it. I have even seen where it just needs to be programmed. It's just it doesn't have home position. Because the way that works, that little stepper motor has 255 counts. And five volts plus moves it to one extreme, five volts negative moves it to the other extreme, and zero volts moves it to the center of the range. But it loses track of that range, and so if it thinks that all the way one way is the center of the range, that's where it's going to move to. We had a Ford truck come in with a similar problem one time, and the battery was weak. And it still crank truck just fine, but every time you crank it, the voltage dropped down, reset the computer, and the actuator never would work. The guy had spent thousands of dollars on his pulling dash and everything else. We changed the battery and fixed the truck. So you just can't say, well, I think it's this or I think it's that and go in and start tearing stuff apart. You're going to run out of money way before you run out of guesses. right. I mean, I take that somebody let them check it for you. Somebody knows what they're doing. It's a piece of cake if you know what you're doing to, to go in yeah. and see what the inputs are, what the outputs are, see what the counts are. See what's being commanded and then usually the fix is not that difficult. But it could be something as simple as that. It could even be losing a could be something like an ignition switch bad where it's losing backup power to that particular computer with switch in a certain position and so it's forgetting where home is home is and right. it doesn't know where to go to. So there's so many possibilities. It's just one of those things you're gonna keep looking at it forever. It's kinda like looking at a Ruby's cube and trying to figure out what's inside. Right. I think you'd be way, way dollars saved just to take it. Somebody knows to do it, let them diagnose it for you. And if you want to do the work, do the work yourself. Right.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Again. especially now that I know, that, you know the AC works, the heater core, uh, all the stuff underneath the dash, uh, I guess it
0: would be. Yeah, more. it's almost going to need to have, almost have to be a control problem of some sort. If the door's not broken, then obviously it's not being commanded, not being commanded properly. So you just have to see why. I mean, it's even possible that like one of the ambient temperature sensors is bad and is seeing sixty degrees below zero, so it's just turning it to heat. There's Just so many things that you can't see looking at it. Right, right. All righty. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, Charles. Right, Thanks, man. Bye, bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six. The number if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to our phone lines with Saul. Good morning, Saul.
1: Morning, fellas. How are you? Good, Good morning, great, sir. Good. I've got a question for you regarding my 2002 Nissan Xterra. Okay. I've noticed recently that the brake pedal is vibrating. Okay. Uh, especially when when I depress it after like a stoplight or such, as I come off of it, I can feel vibrations. And when I'm in neutral, I don't feel it as much. And the only other thing I'd say is that it's not a constant vibration, and it's kind of small. I've had two folks look at it, mm-hmm. and nobody really knows what it is. Yeah, and, and, and I have one let me let me let me back up thing. just
0: a second. So it vibrates with the car sitting still. Because you don't have to be breaking the car to make it do it. Right. Yeah. I would almost bet you that's going to be a bad motor mount on the engine somewhere, engine or transmission. And what happens, see, the engine vibrates. It it just does. That's just what engines do. Right. But it's sitting on four rubber blocks that absorb that vibration. Now, if one of those goes bad, the engine is going to kind of sit down. It may actually touch the chassis. And when it does, it's going to start to shake wherever it's touching. Now, that is the source. Then you have what they call the transfer path, and then you have what they call the transponder. The transponder, in this case, happens to be the brake pedal. It's just because it's hanging down, it's unsupported, that's just what's shaking. It could also be the steering wheel, maybe in a different car or whatever. It just depends on how that car is designed, where the vibration's at, and all that. In fact, I'm writing an article on that that's going online next weekend on on engine mounts and vibrations and that sort of thing. To isolate that problem, you' pretty handy, son. I'm okay. Someone, I can I can do it if I know do what some I know what the problem is. Okay, get a block of wood, like say a two by six or a two by eight or something, and then take a small jack and put the wood between the jack and the oil pan, and just don't try to pick the engine up, but just lightly pick up on the engine just enough to take the weight off the mounts. And see if that goes away or gets a lot better. Okay. Okay, and if it does, then you've got one of the motor mass. Four of them on there, one of the four is probably bad. And that engine is touching the body. Because if another thing you might just try is that with it doing it, just reach over and touch the gas pedal, bring the RPM up just a little bit and see if it gets a bit lot better or goes away. Okay. Or just take it off idle. Because it's going to generally shake when it's at idle. And it's generally going to shake worse when the AC cycle's on.
1: Okay. Just because it loads
0: the engine more.
1: Right. All righty. Okay. Let me ask one quick question. Yeah. Is this something I, how quickly do I need to make sure that I take care of this? Is this something that, that's just a convenience thing? It's or, more of
0: an annoyance than a problem okay. at this time. Eventually, if enough mounts break, the engine can jump around. And it can cause some problems. It can actually damage some drive axles and stuff. But I don't think anywhere close to that point. Normally, when that happens, it'll shake real bad all the time. And you'll start to get like a bumping noise when you take off because the engine will pick up and slam down. Most of the time, motor mounts are not a major safety issue or anything like that. They're more of an inconvenience, but something that's going to annoy the devil out of you. Perfect. That makes sense. Thanks so much. Okay, your help. Thanks, man. Thanks, call. All right, 499-9526 right. right. nine, nine, number. If you're a part of the Automotive, we'd love to have you. We're going to take one more quick little break and be right back with more.
2: Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling
0: Championship? I seen Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah. Got her autograph too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car
3: be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing. It shimmies and shakes and leaking oil. I think I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T. Hey,
0: welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour, our final segment. I'm Lewis Alzan president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Right between two of us, I think we can answer just about any kind of question you might have. That's right. Just give us a call. we still got a few minutes oh, left yeah? to get your questions answered. That's right. Give you a good, to-the-point, non-biased answer. There you go. <laughs> It's great. Yes, call. We're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's pretty important to get advice on things. I a lot of times get calls and emails from folks who, well-meaning, have gone in and done just a whole, whole bunch of work that didn't need to be done. And right. in some cases, they do things that probably need to be done anyway. Like, for instance, they'll have a check engine light and they'll go in and change. The plugs and the wires and the cap and the rotor and all that stuff may have very well needed doing anyway. So as long as they used a good quality part, they probably hadn't hurt themselves a whole lot. And I can't say that if you enjoy doing it and it needs doing anyway, that you're really doing any harm. But when you start to get into other things that are more sophisticated, what is best if you just want to be a do-it-yourselfer and do things yourself, which I understand a lot of people find a lot of fun in that. Accomplishments. Accomplishments. Best thing to do is to form a relationship with a professional that you know that you can trust and have them go in and diagnose the problem for you. Right. And we have an awful lot of folks at Agco that do exactly that. These guys will come around and you know that they do the work themselves, but they would rather let you check it for them. And many times they do have it diagnosed properly and they'll say, I'd just like you to confirm this for uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. Well. That's fine because I can do that real quick, and so it's not going to cost you much money. And if you find a shop that bills by the hour rather than a flat rate, for instance, if you have a shop that charges you a flat rate of, say, $105 to look at the car, that's going to get really expensive real quick. Sure. But if you have a shop that charges you for the time they spend in one-tenth of an hour increments, and they spend, say, 10 minutes looking at the car and confirm your diagnosis, well, that's real cheap insurance. Because they've got the experience, they've got the knowledge of how it works, they've got the tooling, they've got the equipment to check it. Many times we'll see people who will go in and say, well, my car wouldn't start, so I changed the fuel pump. Right. We see that all the time. All the time. And it's like, man, why didn't you change the valve cap, you know? Well, that wouldn't have fixed it, well, neither did the fuel pump, but that would have been (laughs) real cheap. (laughs) That would have cost you $0.10. A fuel pump costs you $700. And you know, one 10-minute test. Right. Would verify if there's a fuel pump or not. Well, that's right. And for the little bit you would pay someone, even if you had to tow it to them, you can't even begin to buy a fuel pressure gauge because a decent fuel pressure gauge with proper adapters probably cost $500. Uh huh. And you're probably not going to use it ever uh-huh. again, if very infrequently, if ever again. Right. So it really is not practical to go and learn all the things you'd have to know or buy all the stuff you'd have to do when you can simply form a relationship with someone and Best is to go in before you need it. Maybe call ahead and say, "Look, is there a time that maybe I could talk to you, or can I email you and kind of tell you what I'm thinking of and see if this is something that you do? Because there are probably some shops that are not going to be interested in doing that. That's right. And for whatever reasons, that's just not the kind of work they do. That's fine. I'll find somebody else, or maybe you can suggest someone. But make yourself known beforehand. Box of donuts, don't, don't hurt, <laughs> hurt, hurt. but get to be acquainted, if not a friend, with the shop. And that way, when you do have something like that, you can bounce it off of. Them. If nothing else, go ahead and send me an email. Tell me what you're thinking, and I'll at least give you some advice. Not going to be as good as looking at the car would be, obviously. Right. But I can at least give you some advice based on what you're saying. I can say, no, I mean, I think you're going wrong here, or yeah, that sounds practical. You might uh-huh. give that a try. It's not going to cost you a whole lot. At least I can give you the benefit of my 45 years of experience Exactly. if you will send an email to me, and that doesn't cost you anything. Better yet, if you have someone that you can take it to when you run into problems like that, they can test it. They can tell you, well, it's this. Okay, well, I want to change that myself. Okay, great. You pick it up, you change the part yourself, and you're done. Another advantage is let's say something needs to be programmed. Well, you can bring it back to them, have them program it after you do the work. Exactly. Or any of the other number of things that you have to do to cars today. But it's really not going to be practical for you to try to buy all the stuff you'd need or gain all the knowledge, unless you're willing to spend about eight years in school just to learn the basics, and then probably another eight years applying that so that you know what you're doing, and then probably $150,000, $200,000 worth of tooling for a single car. Yeah, that's just, you know, that, that you're not going to keep from. Yeah, and it's going to be obsolete in three or four years. It's probably not practical. Well, <laughs> you know, the guys that have been doing that, they, if they didn't keep up with it, they're lost today. Oh, yeah, I, Completely I know. Completely lost today. Well, a lot of the guys that I worked with side by side in a dealership, dealership 40 years ago, man, they have to bring the cars to me. They can't do anything anymore. That's it. They All their knowledge, they got tons of knowledge on 40 year old cars. But yeah. It just doesn't apply. Hey, you got a 40 year old car. That's the man to go see. That's right. They, they, can, they can knock it right on out, but it just doesn't apply to the newer stuff. Hey, we're going back to our phone lines with David. Good morning, David. Uh, good morning, Lewis. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. This is about a 2009 Chevrolet Impala 54,000 miles. Okay. Uh, two days ago, my boss rode with me, got in the passenger seat. I turned on the ignition, and a noise like a solenoid cycling for about 40 seconds or so. Yeah, click, click, click,
2: click, uh, click, click. Yes, click
0: yeah. Right under the passenger Yes, sir. Uh Since
1: then, it's happened intermittently with or without a passenger and with or without the ignition
0: on. Yes, sir. That's going to probably be one of the actuators under the dash, and it's trying to find home position. David, if you will go to my website and type in the word actuator, it's going to bring up an article, how does HVAC systems work or something to that effect. And in that article, there is a procedure for resetting those actuators that a, a non-technical person? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Anybody can do it. It's very, very simple. I will do that. Do then. that first. Okay. If that cures it, you're home free. If it does not cure it, let me know. We can professionally go in and reprogram it. And if that doesn't do it, it's probably going to be a bad actuator. There's a a little rheostat inside the actuator that tells it the home position. If it loses that signal, it's going to sit there and continually seek it. And that's what the click, 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 click is. And eventually it'll time out after about 10, 15 seconds and the computer will shut it down. Yes, that's correct. Sometimes it's just a bad actuator, but many times programming it will help. Also, I think there is a flash update for that car that may help with that. What they do is they revise the procedure that the computer goes through to find home. That helps a lot. So we may have to reprogram the computer too, but try that reset procedure first and see if that doesn't help. I will do so. Thank okay, you. Okay, Dave. Much. Thanks, man. Bye, bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive. Aisle, we still got several minutes. I'd be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And see, he used exactly what I like to hear when a customer when I talk to a customer uh-huh. about a vehicle. He noted that it happened with or without a passenger. Right. When it happened, how often it stayed on. That's the kind of things you need to tell the technician that's working on your vehicle. When, where. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you will take note of when a problem happens, mm-hmm. what is occurring at the time the problem happens, mm-hmm. the technician should be able to go to it a whole lot faster. That will save that you way. so much money as opposed to miscommunicating. And miscommunications happen even under the best of circumstances. They do. But a lot of times what folks want to do is they want to kind of sort of diagnose what they think it is then come in and tell you that, and that's of no use and can actually send you off in the wrong direction many, many times. Which costs money. Costs you a whole bunch of money and them a whole bunch of time. For instance, one of the most common things that happens, people will call very often and they'll say, my car won't start. And that may sound like a reasonable statement to you, but there is two things happens when you go to start a car. The first is crank, which means that the engine is... Turning over or being rotated by the starter. Correct. That is cranking. And that's the one that when you turn the key, it goes, roar, 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 makes that cranking noise. If you turn the key and it does nothing, then tell the, when I turn the key, it does nothing. Or when I turn the key, it clicks. Or when I turn the key, it goes click, 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 click. Don't say it doesn't start. Correct. Because if it is an intermittent problem and the shop gets it and they get in there and turn the key and it starts right up, then yeah. there's nowhere for them to go. And at worst, they're going to start checking all kinds of stuff like the fuel pump and all that. It's going to cost you a whole bunch of money. Right. And what you guys are intermittent, no crank. By the same token, don't go in and say, my car won't crank when what you mean is it won't start. And right. It right. cranks fine, but it won't it start. Won't. So just that one little word can send people off in a totally wrong direction and cost you a bunch of money. So it's very important to let them know exactly what it's doing. And don't ever think you're going to sound silly because what the tech wants to know is what this car is doing or what it is when you pick it up you don't want it doing that it's doing now. Exactly. That's what I need to know to fix the car. So go in, make sound effects, do whatever you need to do, but get the message across, this is what it's doing, not this is what I think it is. Right. You will be much happier in the end. And a lot, lot happier life- in your back pocket that's, that's when, it. when you walk out. So. That's it. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. Ernest, good morning, Ernest. Yes, sir.
1: I'm in the process of looking for another vehicle. Okay. And I'm going to take a look at an 04 heavy Trailblazer. Okay. With a six-cylinder. Yes, sir. The transmission's been rebuilt in it by their restable transmission mm-hmm. company. Okay. And everything. It's six-cylinder. doesn't have any leaks or anything on it. It's got 135,000
0: miles yes, sir. on mm-hmm. it.
1: What is the history of those big cylinders in those trailblazers?
0: Not good. I'm sorry? Not good. We not got, good? We got uh, one on the chain right now. Yeah, we see quite a bit of problem with them. They not one of Chevrolet's proudest moments. I mean, the motors have a lot of problems with the valves dropping in them, a lot of problems with the uh, variable cam timing. The front-end lower control arm bushings go out a lot. The motor right. mounts go out a lot. I have not been real pleased with that vehicle at all. Now, I'm not saying the one you're buying is not an okay vehicle. If you're buying it cheap enough and you don't mind spending a little money down the road, I wouldn't pay anywhere close to retail price for it. Right. So, in
1: other words, with 135000 on it, and no work on the engine so far. It's getting pretty close. <laughs> I'm looking at some problems here in the near future. Yeah, Poss- I wouldn't doubt possibly.
0: it. I'd, I just put an engine in one. The guy picked it up this week with 90,000 on it. Right. No all-pressure and knocking. Right. I was just wondering, you know, what you involved in the
1: 200.
0: Yeah, it's not one of my favorite vehicles. I think you can make a better choice. Okay. All Well, I certainly appreciate it, buddy. All right, Ernst. All right, thanks, sir. Thanks, man. Thank Bye-bye. you. bye Four nine 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 five two six number. If you are a part of the Automotive art. we'd love to have you. And we've got Jack online. Good morning, Jack.
1: Good morning. How Good. are y'all? Doing great, all? sir. Doing great. I got a 2000 Chevrolet Tahoe. Okay. The air conditioner will only work on number four.
0: Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. High speed. Yes, right. sir. That's real common. That's actually under recall right now, Jack. If you take that back to a Chevrolet deal, they'll fix that for you for free. Outstanding. Yeah, it's a blower resistor. The connector burns up. Now, I can yep. tell you what causes that is the blower motor is pulling too much amperage, and it's going to happen again, but they're not going to change the blower motor for you. They're going to just put a connector on it. But at least yeah. you can get that much done. It'll get you by for a while. Oh, that's wonderful. That's yep. outstanding news. Thank <laughs> you very much. All right, Jack. All right, Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Uh-huh. Thank you. I always like to make people happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I got to make them sad, but at least when you get to make them happy, you feel a lot better. makes you feel a whole lot better. We got Alvin online. Good morning, Alvin. Melvin. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead,
1: Melvin. Okay, yeah, I have a 2000 Chevrolet 2500. Yes, sir. A six liter v 8 uh-huh. Yes, sir. It's hard start problem. Okay. Runs good once it starts, but mm-hmm. you sit there and crank it for, oh, 10, 15 seconds sometime for it to start. Yeah,
0: I would probably want to put a fuel pressure gauge on there, Melvin, and see what the fuel pressure is. number of things can cause that. That is almost always one of two things either the fuel pump is leaking down, which means the fuel pressure is dropping off, or the fuel pressure regulator is leaking down. Now, the regulator is real cheap and real easy. What you do is you raise the hood, look on the fuel rail, and you can see a little silver thing with a vacuum line going. It's on the driver's side about halfway to rail. Mm -hmm. Pull that vacuum line off and shake it real good. If any liquid comes out of that line, Change the regulator because it's vacuum operated. And if the diaphragm has a pinhole in it, it'll suck gas up, which will flood the engine and, and bleed the fuel pressure down. If that's not it, you're going to have to go in and have fuel pressure checked. And if the pump bleeds down, it'll lose fuel pressure. So there's no pressure on the rail to start. And that's real easy to find with a fuel pressure gauge. And I'm sorry, we're just about totally out of time. If that didn't totally answer your question, send me an email and I'll go into it a little bit more in depth with you. I'll tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and go on us at iTunes. iTunes. Leave us a written review if you care, too. We certainly appreciate that. we got 39, I'm looking for 40. There you go. Always <laughs> looking for more. That's right. And if you don't mind, go ahead and subscribe to the show. That will come to you just every single time. You won't miss an episode. That's good. Hey, thanks for everybody for listening, and we want to tell you that preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.